talk about joy. And I'm very excited. We talked about rejoicing about a month ago. You might hear a little crossover in this message, but we're going to piggyback on some of those things today. And I have for you, for this message, remember David Letterman? Remember the Late Show, the top 10 list? Today we got a top 10 list. This message is the top 10 things that happen in your life when you rejoice. That's what this message is all about. If you're, if you're taking notes, you can write even a little 1 through 10 right now. And you'll be glad you did because you're going to want to remember these things. Because you're going to be like, man, what am I lacking in my life right now? Why is this not happening? Oh, I forgot. I need to start rejoicing instead of feeling bad. I need to start rejoicing instead of feeling sorry. I need to start rejoicing instead of this or that. Top 10 things that happen. We're going to get to it here in a moment. Let's pray first. Father, we love you. We are grateful for your presence, or we know in your presence is found fullness of joy. That's where we find it, and it dwells in our praise as your presence. And as we spent this last uh, 40 minutes or so worshiping in your presence, I thank you that now your word is going to be planted in good ground, bear fruit in our lives, and any one of us that have not been experiencing and encountering your joy in our lives, we'll leave here today experiencing that. Amen. Amen. Two stories to kick this off, and then I'm going to jump into the list. One, I did not plan on telling, but I see enough new faces to where I want to tell this. There's a reason behind it. Uh, there's a reason behind it. It's not just a story uh, that, that goes with this. There's an important reason. About four years ago, during Advent, I was struggling to write a message about joy. Some of you have heard this every year since, so you might know what happened here, but it was very impactful, and I believe it will impact you today. I was struggling to write a message. It was the week we were talking about joy, and it wasn't that I wasn't feeling joyful. It was kind of a, a writer's block, and maybe it was a bit of not experiencing the joy, but whatever it was, just so y'all, a little glimpse into my life, I wake up on Monday morning, I have my time with the Lord, and I start really refining my message for that Sunday. And by Monday afternoon, I kind of have a majority of my notes done, and I spend the rest of the week editing. It just wasn't happening that week. So this was Saturday night before church, and I did not have one note written down for my message about joy, which that's the only time it, that's happened uh, in six years of being lead pastor, not having something on Saturday night. But we went to a Christmas party with Lisa's family, and my pastor, Lisa's uncle, Pastor Dean, was there. And I sat down beside him, and that's a bit of a, that's a, bit of a risk right there because you never know what you're going to get when you get close to Pastor Dean, right? So I sat down beside him, and I said, hey, Pastor Dean, I said, if you were preaching on joy tomorrow, what would you be talking about? Right? A little sneaky, I was going to get a little message out of it. What would you be talking about if you were talking about joy? And he looked at me and he said, why in the world are you asking me that? You're the one that carries joy. You and your family carry joy. Every time you walk into a room, you can feel the joy. Everybody gets happier when y'all are around. You make everybody laugh. Y'all carry joy. You shouldn't be asking me. I should be asking you. He said that, and it was like this instantaneous message just downloaded in my heart. I excused myself, went to another room, and wrote some notes down. It was fast, and all it took was somebody calling out what was on the inside of me. It took somebody looking at me in my eyes and saying, that's not who you are. You are a person who carries joy. So that's what I'm doing to every one of you right now. No matter what the last few weeks have been like in your life, I'm looking at you all in your eyes. I'm, I'm catching some of your eyes right now. And I'm telling you, if you're a believer, you 
carry joy. Stop trying to find it anywhere outside of right here. Stop trying to find it in your circumstances working out. Stop trying to find it in finding the right gift at TJ Maxx at the right time. Stop trying to find it in getting a parking place at Target because it's not going to happen for the next week. You're going to have to park at that weird errands, whatever that is, across the street and walk half a mile to get to your iced Americano and traffic or whatever you want, right? Stop trying to find joy anywhere outside of right here. And the reason is because every promise that the Lord has made you, every promise that the Holy Spirit has given, and more important, not more importantly, but, but in addition, the fruit of the Holy Spirit inside of you. In other words, what the Holy Spirit inside of you produces, righteousness, peace, joy, uh, all the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, those are in you. You know what fruit is? Fruit is the outpouring. Fruit is the product, the produce of two things, uh, me, or, or, or sometimes multiple things, a seed being planted in the ground, right? You need multiple things for those things to produce fruit. The seed in and of itself doesn't produce fruit. The ground in and of itself doesn't produce fruit. You put the seed in the ground and there is fruit. And when you plant apple seeds, you don't get oranges. You don't have to ask somebody what they planted when you can see the fruit. You look around and you say, oh, you planted apples. You planted pears. You planted watermelons. You planted cabbage. Do you plant cabbage? I don't, I don't know if you plant. You have to plant it, right? It grows. You have to plant it. You don't have to ask somebody what they planted. The Holy Spirit, the Word, it's a seed. And when you say yes to Jesus, it is on the inside of you. And the result, the produce, the product of the Holy Spirit and you is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, gentleness, the fruit of the Spirit. You carry joy. Don't look anywhere else than right here. So how do we access it? How do we access it? Well, first, it's been called out, right? I'm calling it out of you right now. Now you're going to access it by rejoicing in the Lord, right? You begin to rejoice. Joy is a huge part of rejoicing. In fact, it's right there even in the name. You're rejoicing. In fact, the definition of rejoice means to give joy back to someone, to give joy back to someone is the Webster's Dictionary, not like the Christian spiritual definition. The Webster's Dictionary definition of rejoice says to give joy back to someone. Does that make sense? God gave you joy when he gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us joy, and now we rejoice in the Lord, and all of a sudden, the fruit begins to get produced in our lives it begins to grow sometimes it's under the surface you don't quite see it right away you have to do one of the things David did where he said soul praise the Lord he didn't feel like it he didn't feel like it your soul is your mind will and emotions his mind will and emotions were not praising the Lord in that moment for whatever reason he had lots of issues throughout his life we could probably name a few things that were happening his soul did not feel like praising but he said I'm going to make you I have the authority over you. I'm going to make you praise the Lord. He rejoiced in the Lord. As a believer, we choose to do that. 
we choose to rejoice, give joy back to the Lord, and joy begins to flow and operate in our life. The best way to rejoice, praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving. Just telling the Lord, thank you. Force yourself to think of something. I mean, if you can't think of things outside of yourself, turn on some hot water and say, thank you that I have hot water. There's still people in this world that spend all day long trying to find clean water. Forget hot water. There are still people in this world who, who spend all day just trying to feed their family, not wondering, not being upset they can't afford whatever ham they want. I bought a ham from Honey Baked Hams where I used to work. I didn't, they didn't give me an employee discount. It's been, I guess it's been like 25 years or something. It's been a long time. They didn't remember me. And they were completely uninterested when I said I used to work here. I didn't even get an eyebrow raised. Like, hmm. I just said, I used to work here. Would you like a ham? It was $85. And it wasn't one of the big ones. $85. Thank God I had a gift card. That's what, uh, that's what I used it on. Um, but there are people, I mean, within our own city. I'm not even talking about a third world country. Who are spending all their time right now just figuring out how to feed their family. I mean... You had some pastries back there, and they're still there. If you can't think of anything, start with anything. Thank you for this pastry. Thank you that my church had some coffee out this morning. Just start somewhere. And this is not trivial. This is not too small. I'm telling you, just start anywhere. You know that phrase, if you give um, a, a, a mouse a cookie, he's going to ask for a glass of milk. Uh, our Andrew Womack always says, if you, give the, if you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. He doesn't just want your lunch. He wants to take your lunch and pop your bag. It's like he always wants a little more. You give the enemy just a little, he'll take it all. How much better is God? How much better is God? Give him maybe the smallest thing you can muster, the smallest thank you you can imagine, and just experience him lighting up, smiling ear from ear, and, and saying, oh, I was waiting for you to do this. This was what we've been waiting on. This was the moment. You just broke through. All I did was say, thank you for hot water. Give him an inch, right? Give him an inch and see what the Lord can do with an inch. I used to tell our youth group this all the time, and, and I'll tell you right now, if you don't have time with the Lord every day in the Word, where should I start? Anywhere. Anywhere. I don't have a large attention span. Start with one verse. One verse. God can take one verse and change your whole life. When Lisa went to Cuba years ago with her family and ambassadors to the nations, they met a pastor who was preaching from one page that he had ripped out of a Bible from Leviticus. Pastor Dean said, where's the rest of your Bible? He goes, this is all I have. And he goes, how long have you just had one page of the Bible? He said, 20 years. Pastor Dean said, what do you preach from? He goes, Leviticus, this one page for 20 years. And the church was full. They gave him a Bible. He had like 1,200 more pages. That guy's going to be busy for all of eternity. How many of us could take a page from Leviticus and concentrate on it for just a moment and allow God to change our entire lives? Just Give a little. Nothing is too small. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Luke 2. We've already read this a few times. I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to read it uh, again, actually, even after this. But it says, The angel said unto them, Fear not. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. 
Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was this with this angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. This story in and of itself speaks of what we consider a little. A little. Give him a little and see what happens. There's a baby born in a manger in a city nobody cared about. Not only did they not care about it, and the, and the only inn in the city was full. So he's in a stable. On the surface, there was just a little bit happening. How many more babies have been born that very night? How many have been born in the history of the world? It's like that song we sang. We expected a sword and an iron fist. We expected somebody, a Messiah, to walk in and overthrow the government and say, you all belong to me now. That was a lot, right? That would have been a lot, but a little happened. A baby born, and there wasn't even anybody around to hear him cry. Just a bunch of animals and Mary and Joseph. Yet, in the spiritual, in the supernatural, a great multitude of heavenly hosts were in the sky, praising God, saying glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. A multitude. I don't know how many that is, but a tiny baby in a town nobody cared about, in a manger, yet in the heavens, a multitude of angels rejoicing. As a believer, our little translates to more than you can imagine. Our little bit of natural with the Lord's super turns into this supernatural force that we could never imagine or experience without the Holy Spirit. And joy is one of those things. We get it activated because it's in us. It's in you. It's in you. It's in you. It's in you. We activate it by rejoicing. So as we rejoice through praise, through thanksgiving, I'm going to tell you the top 10 things that happen in your life as a result of you rejoicing, of your praise, of your thanksgiving. You ready for number one? Rejoicing, being thankful, expressing that through praise. Top ten things that happen. Number one, when you rejoice, it keeps joy flowing. And this is kind of a surprising twist here. It also prevents greediness. I know, right? You weren't expecting that, but it's what it does. You know, greed is not something we talk about a whole lot, but it is the reason I think like 98% of America owes more money than they make. That's bad stewardship, right? There's this great sketch I saw with Steve Martin uh, pretending to, well, he, he, was, he was being a financial advisor, and he's like, this revolutionary new way of spending money will keep you out of debt and, and keep your income flowing. You'll be able to pay every one of your bills and live a pretty good life. And all these people are like, what is it? He's like, don't spend more than you make. And the, the lady who was sitting there was like, okay, but what if I want something? He's like, don't buy it. She's like, but what if I want something and I don't have the money to buy it? but I could put it on a credit card. He's like, don't buy it. But what if I want something that cost more than what I actually have? Don't buy it. It's very simple. But greed is what gets so many of us into trouble. We want something we can't afford, right? And then the financial pressure starts to hit. And sometimes we even do it out of a good 
uh, attitude. Sometimes we do it and we're like, well, I got to buy nice gifts for Christmas, right? And, and we get into things we can't afford. This is not just about finances. This is about anything in life. But greed is a powerful force that has messed up a lot of people. Proverbs 15, 27 says, he who is greedy for grain brings trouble to his own house. So how does rejoicing, being thankful, keep greed away? Well, it also keeps our focus and our attention on what the Lord has already given us. Like uh, we can talk about physical things or spiritual things. But when we, when we focus on the natural, thank you, Lord. I have everything I need. I have enough to give. I have hot water. I have this or that. It keeps your focus on what he's given you rather than what you want. In the spiritual, when we rejoice and thank the Lord for what he's given us, it keeps our attention and focus off of what we perceive that we lack. When we say, thank you, Lord, that I have joy in my heart because you've given me the Holy Spirit. And one of the things he produces is joy. What that does is it gets our mind off of the things that are going wrong in our lives. And it reminds us, I have everything I need. I've been given every gift I could ever need on the inside. And when things go wrong, I can still encounter joy. Rejoicing keeps joy flowing in your life and it prevents greediness. In other words, it keeps trouble away. So you could say that. It keeps joy flowing, prevents greediness. It keeps trouble away. If you're greedy for grain, it brings trouble to your house. If you're tired of being in trouble, start rejoicing in the Lord and watch the trouble begin to fade over and over. My in-laws who are in Nicaragua right now, man, you would shrug your shoulders and shake your head if you knew their salaries. Pastor Dean uh, is there, he, he, I've mentioned him a few times already. They work at the church, they run ambassadors. And Pastor Dean said, in 1988, when I hired everybody to work here, I said, I could give you a good salary and you can learn to rely on me or I can pay you a few hundred dollars a week and you can learn to rely on the Lord. And he said, every one of them said, let's do that one. And it's been 20 something years, 30 years, and they have not had a raise since. And they are some of the most prosperous people I've ever met in my life. They are living well. Uh, my my in-laws, I mean, they just paid cash for this like new house in Trilogy of Lake Norman. And they did this on salaries that none of us in here would, well, I'm not going to say that. They would surprise you how low it is. They just get up here and tell you how much they make, but I won't do it. Go watch one of their live streams and, and you'll, you'll hear it. But it's a miracle. You don't have to have a lot for God to take care of you. Is that amazing? Is that a good concept? He'll take care of you no matter what. He'll take care of you no matter what. And if you don't allow greed to enter your life and you prevent it through rejoicing in the Lord, then you will see his miraculous provision in every area of your life. I mean, you can build a house in Nicaragua for $5,000. Like $5,000, you can have a family move from a cardboard house to a real house with running water, right? Our youth group built a house for somebody. Oh, our kids' ministry built a house for somebody in Nicaragua three years ago. It was awesome. So rejoice in the Lord. Be thankful for what you have. Greediness will not have a foothold in your life, and joy will keep flowing. Number two, the number two thing that happens as you rejoice in the Lord, it makes you whole. And it keeps you that way. You feel like something's missing in your life? I'm telling you, it makes you whole. Rejoicing, thankfulness. You know the story of the ten lepers? Jesus heals uh, these guys with leprosy. Uh, you know, that, that disease ate away at your body. Eventually, you'd lose body parts. Fingers would fall off. Uh, facial features would fall off. And you've seen it depicted in movies probably, like 
think Braveheart, there was a king that had leprosy. And, and it was a big thing back in the day. So you, you, you can picture it. It would make people look, look bad. It's, it's been proven to be hereditary, but people used to think you could catch it. So these people would be kicked out of the city. They'd be sent to a leper camp. They wouldn't be able to live with their family. And it was a death sentence. Well, these 10 lepers make it into the city. Jesus heals every one of them. Every one. And we, we pick up this story in Luke 17. One of them. How many did he heal? Ten. One of them came back. When he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? They're not found that return to give glory to God, save the stranger. Jesus looked at him. He said, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. That word means that the things that were lost were made whole. He wasn't just healed of leprosy. Healing leprosy means the disease is gone. Being made whole means the disease is gone, and every result of that disease has been made whole. Jesus wouldn't have said you're made whole if the guy was missing a nose still, if he was missing an ear, if he was missing uh, three or four digits on one of his hands. All ten were healed. One was made whole, and he was made whole through thankfulness. He was made whole because he rejoiced. Man, we have been given miracle after miracle after miracle. We've been healed from diseases. 1 Peter 2.24 says, by stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53.8 says, by his wounds we are healed. We've been given forgiveness, right? We've been given uh, uh, love. We've been loved unconditionally. Yet some of us still feel like something is missing. You want to be made whole. Add some rejoicing. Add some thanksgiving. And remember, you can start with a little because there was a little tiny thing happening in Bethlehem in the natural and a multitude of angels rejoicing in the sky. Start with your little bit you can muster. Don't feel bad. Don't let the enemy's voice say, that's all you got. That's not the voice of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is saying, okay, we can start with this. We can get somewhere with this. Don't listen to that voice saying, is that all you got? And it, I don't know, maybe if you do hear that, be like, yeah, that's all I got right now. Just be honest, because the Holy Spirit's going to take that. He's going to take that. There'll be a multitude of things happening. Feel that hole that you still experience. Be made whole through rejoicing. So number one, keeps joy flowing, prevents greediness. Number two, thankfulness makes you whole and keeps you that way. Keep it flowing. Not just when you see the miracle, even after, even before, even when you're in need of another one, just keep the thankfulness flowing. Be made whole, like this man who had leprosy. He wasn't a leper after that, right? He wasn't a leper anymore after that. If you are a depressed person, begin to rejoice. Watch that depression turn around and run the other way, and then rejoice in the fact that that's not you anymore. It never was the real you, but that's not you. You are a person who carries the joy of the Lord at all times. Here's the third one. We talked about this quite a bit a few weeks ago. The third thing that happens when you rejoice, when you express your thankfulness, it stops worry dead in its tracks. It stops worry. It prevents it. It puts a barrier up and says, no more today worrying. I'm done with you. We've talked about Philippians chapter 4. 
so many times over the last few weeks, so go listen to another message uh, if you want over the past few weeks. But Philippians 4 through 6 talks about don't worry about it. Pray about it. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done, and his peace will guard your heart. It's an invitation into conversation with the Lord. Enter that conversation. Talk to him. Begin to express thankfulness, and worry will stop right where it's at. Worry. Got to go. That's the third thing that happens. I will tell you, and I've told you before, in my flesh, I'm a worrier. In my flesh, I'm a worrier. And I'm not that in reality because the reality is my spirit, which is filled with power, love, and a sound mind, not fear. But if you relate to that, and if you can say, okay, in the natural, I am too, rejoicing, rejoicing will stop that worry dead in its tracks. Number four, joy will lead you on the path to your dreams, to your calling, to that vision God has put in your heart. Joy will lead you and be with you, carry you down this path. How much better would it be to walk down this path of unknowns, twists and turns, with joy at every turn, instead of finding anxiety, fear of the unknown, whatever else is behind door number one, whatever's behind door number two, whatever we find there, what if we just know I can carry joy through every one of these doors? I can carry joy down this path. Wouldn't it make this journey so much better? Because really, how much of our journey is the actual stops, right? We always want to get from point A to point B. Point A and point B are the two smallest little locations on this big map that says the road from point A to point B. I'm not going to save the joy and say when I get there, I'll experience it. No, we can carry that joy down every part of the path in between point A and point B and also at point A and point B. Because when you get to point B, if you're listening and paying attention, God's going to say, all right, and now to point C. And you don't want to lose, lose all that joy once you're off of point B on that path to the next place. Joy will carry you through all of it. And, and, and one of the ways it does that, one of the ways it does that is because as you rejoice, as you begin to thank God, this goes back to the prevents greediness. Because as you thank God, he will begin, or actually better said, you will begin to see and realize that what you have right now is more than enough for God to get you wherever you're going. You don't need something else. You don't need to wait until something else happens or you receive uh, some more money or a different job. What you have is enough. I've shared this story so many times over the years. Forgive me if you've heard it, but Mother Teresa started her first school by taking a stick and teaching a group of kids the alphabet by writing the alphabet in the sand. She did it every day for months until this man saw her doing it. He said, what's happening? And another one of the nuns said, she's having school. And he said, with a stick and a pile of dirt? And they said, that's all she has. And within a year, he had built her her first school, fully supplied, debt-free. A stick. Somebody else had a stick. Moses. That's all he had. At one point, he had chariots and power. It was all that had been stripped away. He was holding a staff. And God said, set my people free. He said, with what? And God said, what's in your hand? A staff. That's enough. That's how it started. So what's in your hand? Rejoicing, being thankful, expressing that to the Lord. All of a sudden, something is highlighted in your life. And you're like, okay, I, I'm, I'm just going to use this. 
and it begins a journey. Years ago, it would have been probably 12 years ago now, because Judah was an infant. Lisa and I were excited to record an album. We had been writing songs. We wanted to record music for the first time, and we were hard-pressed to find the right people. We were thinking around. Uh, we were like, man, our only kind of connections are people like within our own community, and we were around some great musicians, but we kind of wanted to do this different. So we were praying and saying, Lord, how can we connect with people to partner with to make this album happen? And uh, as we were praying, we were, this is a true story, we were praying on the way to one of my little sister Abigail's basketball games. She played basketball at First Methodist, and we were driving to one of her games, and we're praying, Lord, you got to show us how to connect with, with some, we actually had people by name we wanted to meet, connect with, have them play music on our album, produce things. And as we're praying, uh, the Lord reminded me that under my seat in my car, the passenger seat, there was this CD, a uh, worship leader named Kevin Prosh, one of my favorite worship albums. And I heard the Lord say, just put that CD in and worship. Hadn't heard it in years. We put it in the CD player. That's how long ago it was. Our car had a CD player. And we put it in. We started to worship. And as we were worshiping, I had this thought. I wonder what this guy's been up to. Like, I wonder if he has any new music out. So I got home that night, looked up his website, and ordered a bunch of new CDs. And the next day, my phone rings. And his name was Kevin Prosh. Some of you might know who that guy is. My phone rings. And he's like my hero. I answer it. It's a number I don't know. And he goes, hey, is this B.J. Sullivan? I said, yes. And he goes, hey, this is Kevin Prosh. I said, what do you mean this is Kevin Prosh? This is like my hero. I'm like, what do you mean this isn't really Kevin Prosh? He goes, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I, I kind of run my own website right now, and I think you ordered some CDs last night. Our website's down. I can't see what you ordered. So I just figured I'd call you, and I'll just send you whatever you want. And I'm like, what do you mean this is Kevin Prosh? Like, you're my hero. And he explained it again, and then by the time he was done explaining it, he said, you know what, why don't you and your wife come out? Your worship leaders, I'm holding a worship event. Come out to Texas in a few weeks. Be my special guest. This was like being invited to like the White House or something for me. I was so excited. We got on a plane. We flew to Texas. I'm not making this up. Three of the seven or eight people that we prayed about connecting with were at the event in Texas. He introduced us to them. This is like an hour after we prayed, Lord, we want to connect with these people. I put a CD in the CD player that led us down a path to meeting the people we prayed about in Amarillo, Texas, two months later. It was crazy. It was an insane series of events I could never have mapped out myself. But it started with prayer and rejoicing and saying, Lord. And then he showed me something I already had in my hand, in my possession, a CD. Take your little and watch the Holy Spirit do a lot with it. Don't think anything is too small. Don't think it's too small to thank the Lord for running water. Just start somewhere with your rejoicing because it will cause joy to lead you and guide you and be with you during every path of this journey. Number five, this is a good one. This is a real go. And if you've ever said, I have a hard time hearing the Lord's voice, whether you've said it as a blanket statement or just you're in a season or you've been there, I'm having a hard time hearing God's voice. Rejoicing, thankfulness amplifies God's voice. It amplifies the voice of God in your life. He's speaking, right? It amplifies it. Like Kyle was playing guitar up here. That electric guitar is just a piece of wood with some steel strings over the top. If he just picks that guitar up and plays it, you will barely hear anything. 
but he plugs it in to a microphone and it goes through an amplifier, bigger speakers, and all of a sudden you can hear what he's doing on the guitar that you couldn't hear otherwise. God is speaking right now. He's speaking to you at all times. He is actually talking to you. You just got to listen. And the way you can amplify his voice is through praise and thanksgiving. In 2 Kings chapter 3, uh, Elisha, the prophet, is waiting to hear a word of, from the Lord to, to speak over the nation and to speak to the king. And he's having a hard time hearing the voice of God. And this is a great verse. Verses 14 and 15 of chapter 3. Elisha says, bring me a minstrel. Have you ever said that? Like a guy that plays music. Bring me a minstrel. And when he started playing, Elisha received word from the Lord that he'd been waiting on. It wasn't really so much the worship. It wasn't so much the music. We know music is just one of the vehicles that our praise and thanksgiving can, can be carried on, right? But here's the point. Worship started to happen. Praise, thanksgiving began to, to, to fill that room up. And the voice of God was amplified. And Elijah, Elisha heard the word that he'd been waiting on. So if you've been waiting on a word from the Lord, stop sitting around in silence and just waiting for the download. That's not wrong. But if you're having a hard time hearing it, begin to rejoice. Begin to lift your voice. Give joy back to the Lord. Rejoice and hear his voice amplified. How many can say you're waiting to hear something from the Lord right now? Direction, come on, put those hands up high. 2023 is coming up, new season, new year. You're waiting to hear direction. Amplify the voice of God through rejoicing, right? Amplify his voice through rejoicing. Man, I started worrying the other day. Judah had a friend come over and spend the night. That kid coughed for nine straight hours at my house. I heard it from the other room uh, for the entire time he was at our house. And we don't really ever worry about getting sick or sickness, but I was laying in bed that night, and I was like, oh, man, it's the holidays. That was enough. That was my... my uh, that, that jogged me out of like that stupor of like, oh no, we might get sick. That's all, my, all I thought, it's the holidays. And I thought, nope, nope, that's not us. That's not the Sullivans. And I began to rejoice just in my bed. I began to say, thank you, Lord, that Isaiah 53.8 says you were wounded and we were healed. That 1 Peter 2.24 says by your stripes we were healed of coughs. And, and, the, and the kid, him too, like I said, I don't know what his family believes, but he was healed too. And I began to declare. And I just had this image, I guess call it a vision. But I was just thinking about the scripture where God says, Jesus said, I would grab you under my wings like a mother hen if I could. And I just had this image of the Lord just stretching like a wing over me and my family. And in that moment, all the fear went away. And I just knew we're going to be all right. We're not going to have to worry about all this. And we were fine. But it took me rejoicing in the Lord and all the fear began to go away. Man, it was awesome. Man, I wasn't going to share this, but now I am, okay? Uh, I shared it with a few people this morning, and uh, I was going to wait, but this just happened last night, actually. This is a very fresh one. I uh, about, I don't know, last night I started laying in bed, and I just felt, you know that feeling you get sometimes, like you can feel like a sore throat in the back of your throat, like kind of before it gets sore? I don't know, that make any sense? I kind of could feel that, and I, we just... Just don't, I, I don't get sick that often. So I could feel it. I knew something was going on and I began to pray. I began to rejoice. And even as I fell asleep, I could feel this. And I had this like subconscious thought in my head. Like, what if I wake up and I'm just not feeling great? I got church tomorrow. All those thoughts are going through my head. This has never happened to me before. I went to sleep kind of declaring scriptures in my mind. 
I had a dream that we were having our morning roundup, and if you're not on the volunteer team, you've never been to that, but our morning roundup is awesome. You should join the volunteer team just to be at the morning roundup. So in the morning roundup, uh, this was kind of a weird part. There was two people that kind of started arguing a little bit with each other, and I kind of stepped in. I was like, hey, hey, we're not here to talk about any of that right now. We need to talk about the service. I said, in fact, today is all about joy Right? I guess I was thinking about this service. It says, all about joy, and, and we know that that's a part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I said, actually, instead of arguing, let's just all say that together. And everybody in the morning roundup, we started to say, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And the band that was here started playing, and we just started singing, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And in my dream, I had this thought. Oh, man, my throat's getting better now. And in my dream, I'm saying righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And after a few minutes, it woke me up. And I woke up at about 2.30 with absolutely nothing going on in my throat. It felt completely better. And I just thought, man, I've never experienced healing by declaring the word in my dreams before. But that's awesome. Can you imagine how much more you could accomplish if you can start accomplishing things while you're sleeping? Why not? Why not? In fact, okay, let's do this right now. Righteousness. Say it with me. Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness. Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness. Peace and joy. That is the kingdom. And no matter what is going on around you, that's your kingdom. That's what surrounds you. That's what's on the inside of you. It's righteousness, not our own, but his is inside of us. On our worst day, his righteousness is inside of us. On our best day in our flesh, we still don't measure up. Thank God it's his righteousness, peace, no matter what is going on around us, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It amplifies the voice of God as we rejoice. And what we talked about a few weeks ago with Paul and Silas, it breaks chains. Now, what we talked about a few weeks ago was they were already free. Their chains breaking was just a natural representation of the freedom they already had on the inside. However, those physical chains actually still broke. And there are so many of us that walk around with our physical chains. Sometimes it's called depression. Sometimes it's called uh, anxiety. Sometimes it's called sickness. Sometimes it's called lots of things, those chains that we carry around. But rejoicing in the Lord and experiencing that joy in the Holy Ghost breaks those chains. That's the sixth thing that happens as you rejoice in the Lord. It breaks chains righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Come on, say that again. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That is the kingdom of God. Come on. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 46, tells us that natural sp things speak of supernatural things. It's not the other way around. It's not the natural, it's not, it's not the other around. Natural things speak of supernatural. In other words, what comes first is the supernatural. And then the natural things speak of that. Because of our physical eyes, because of our five senses that we talk about, all of this out here can feel a lot more real than the actual real part of our life, and that's the spiritual. Think about it. Your body won't live forever, right? It will rot in a grave one day. But there is a part of you that lives forever. And it's not the part that can feel the leather on this Bible. 
It's not the part of you that can look in a mirror and see the fact that I don't feel well. It's not the part of you that has uh, nerve endings in the back of your throat that says, oh, there's a sore throat. No, that's the least real part of you. That's the part of you that will not last forever. Natural things speak of supernatural things. As you begin to rejoice in the Lord and experience that joy in the Holy Ghost, you in the natural will begin to experience more and more of what's true in the Spirit. It breaks chains when you rejoice. Number seven is it brings you strength. We all, we've already talked about this, Psalm chapter 8 too. Well, we can start with Nehemiah 8, 10. That's the one we all know. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Jesus says this too. He quotes, chapter, he quotes Psalm. He quotes David when he says, out of the mouth of babes you have ordained strength. When David wrote that, he said, out of the mouth of babes you've ordained praise. Jesus Change the word praise to strength because those words are interchangeable. When you praise, that is his joy becoming your strength. How does it work? Do I have a diagram? Not really. It's a spiritual principle. That's how it works. When we praise, we experience strength rising up from the inside of us, and it gets us through the hard things. So here's a little recap. I'll tell you one through seven one more time. Number one, when you rejoice, when you express praise, and thankfulness, even if you start with something small, like, thank you, Lord, I got hot water, it keeps joy flowing and prevents greediness. Number two, it makes you whole and keeps you that way. Number three, it stops worry dead in its tracks. Number four, it leads you on your path to your dreams, your calling, wherever you're going, it carries you. Number five, it amplifies the voice of God. Number six, it breaks chains. Number seven, it brings you strength. Number eight, this one is really cool. You ready for this one? All right. Everything that God made functions to the best of its ability in the environment God made for it. Right? We don't have palm trees in Gastonia because they don't thrive in the Gastonia environment. Palm trees are great in coastal places. Right? We don't have really furry bunny rabbits here, right? Because it gets hot in the summer. They live like in the Arctic or something. I don't know. They live in Alaska, right? Things that God made function to the best of their ability in the environment he made for them. When God made man, Adam and Eve, he put them in a garden in the middle of his presence. He walked with them. He talked with them. He was their friend. He was there with them even when they weren't walking with him, he was there. They weren't going to die. They would never have experienced death. They were created and they were perfect. They functioned the exact way they were created in the presence of God. The presence of God is our natural environment. And as we bring his presence into our lives, and we know from Psalm 22:3, his presence dwells in our praises, so as we praise, as we lift up thanksgiving and worship, his presence fills the place. And all of a sudden, we are functioning the way we were made to function. So rejoicing makes you function the way you were made to function. When things aren't going right in your body, man, do whatever you got to do. But number one, rejoice in the Lord and invite his presence into your moment and watch your body begin to line up when you're having anxious thoughts when your mind is racing a million miles per hour that's not the way your mind was made to function 
Invite the presence of the Lord into the moment through rejoicing and thanksgiving. And all of a sudden, experience your mind clearing up. Don't, don't, don't buy into COVID fog or whatever. Don't declare that. Don't be like, oh, I had COVID and now I got the brain fog. Get that language out of your mouth. Get the whole, I, I, got, I got the sugar. I got the sugar and my brain starts to be weird when my sugar drops. Don't do all, get all that language out of your mouth. You're a believer. You're a believer. The Bible says that you don't got the sugar. The Bible says that you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Say that one with me. I have the mind of Christ. Your mind wasn't made to race and be confused. Your mind is made to function at a high level and to hit problems head on and solve them. Your mind was made to be the most creative mind, leading the path in whatever field you work in. Your mind was made to function on a level science cannot even comprehend. Science has no idea how powerful the human mind is yet. They might not ever. Your mind was made to function the right way. Invite the presence of God into your moment, into your life through rejoicing and thanksgiving and watch every part of your body, spirit, soul, and body function the way it was made to function. It's like, uh, it's like oil in a motor. Have you ever tried to drive without oil? It just doesn't work. My friend Jordan one time was at my house and he, he called me like an hour after he left. He goes, hey, c could you help me? I was like, what's going on? He's like, I think my, my, my car's not working. I said, what happened? And he said, I opened my hood. I, th I, th I think it melted. I said, what do you mean it melted? He goes, I think my engine melted. That dude had zero oil in his car and he drove and he said it was overheating pretty good I just figured I could make it home he was like an hour and a half away that kid drove until his components of his engine melted your motor will not run without oil it needs oil to function it needs oil to move without melting right we gotta stop melting we need to stop overheating well I'd like that one well I'm really hot natured like, I, we got to stop overheating. We got to stop melting. We got to stop trying to drive without oil in our motor. Rejoice. Be thankful. It's like the best kind of oil. It's like the best kind of motor oil. It keeps things functioning the way they were made to function. And then, number, number nine... That was number eight. We're going to get through these. I was, I'm, I'm impressed. I didn't know if we would get through them. Number nine. This is really one of my favorite ones. This is one of my favorites. Rejoicing. Remember the definition. To give joy back to somebody. Here's something that happens when you rejoice. It brings joy to God. It makes him rejoice. It makes him smile. You rejoicing brings joy to God. That's powerful. And when you keep thinking about it, you're going to start liking that one more and more. How can we affect the God of the universe? Can we give him something he needs, like a good meal? I don't think so. Can we give him uh, something he needs? Like, what, what could you give him for Christmas? I, I don't know. What does he not have, right? He owns it all. 
He got the whole world in his hands. He owns everything. But you know what you can give him that he desires, that he longs for? Praise, thanksgiving. And only you and I can do it. And only you can do it the way you do it. You don't need to do that the way anybody else does it. You can make a unique sound and a unique moment with the Lord that only you can have. Right? When you rejoice, you're the only person going through your particular set of circumstances. And the Lord knows what you're going through. And some of us are going through some hard stuff. And God knows that. And the rejoicing you do in that season is such a sweet sound to God. And in some seasons, it's the only time you're ever going to be able to rejoice like that. It's the only time you might ever go through a season like that. Don't miss your chance to praise God in the middle of what you're going through. It's a sacrifice of praise that you might never be able to make again. You might never go through that again, but God longs for it. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you've created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. I can so relate to this, but when one of the Fathers of our faith, or fathers of, of, of the church out there, Bill Johnson, a man I really respect and love. His wife passed away earlier this year, and actually she passed away the week before uh, Eric, Bill's son, was here with us at our Hope Future conference a, a week after his mom passed away. And, and one of the things I heard his dad say, who was in the pulpit the next day after she passed away, worshiping and speaking, he said, I'll tell you why I'm here because I'll never be able to make this sacrifice of praise again. He's crying. He said, I'll never lose my wife again, and I'll never be able to stand right here and make this particular sacrifice of praise. This is my only chance ever to give this moment to the Lord. And you know, that's a major, major example because he lost a spouse. But we're all going through stuff, and I'm not, gonna hear, I'm not here to minimize what you're going through. I'm not here to minimize our actual real-life problems we all experience. They're real. They're real. But you will never have this chance to give God this particular gift, this sacrifice of praise again. In heaven, we won't have any of these issues. We'll rejoice all day without any of these things surrounding us. This is your only chance. Don't isolate. Don't don't let the depression win. Don't let the cloud become too dark. Rejoice in the middle of this and give God something you may never be able to give him again. He won't take it lightly. Number 10, this is the last one. This is a good one too. Praise, thanksgiving, rejoicing. It makes your entire life an environment of joy. Man, what if every moment you had there was an underlining theme a surrounding environment of joy i mean what more could we want the world's going to throw problems at us jesus promised us that in this world you'll have trouble i give you my peace we'll have things that come against us but lisa always says this thing to me she goes you know if you and i are all right if we're happy, if we're, if we're uh, you know, on good terms, like we're married, right? But we all know what that means. <laughs> if we're on good terms, if we're together, it doesn't matter what's happening around. It's all good. And when she says that, I know she means it. Like, I don't care what comes against this. As long as you, you and I are good, it's all good. Right? 
That's true. There's a deeper relationship we all have deeper than even marriage. In fact, it's, it's compared to a marriage several times throughout the Bible. But that's our relationship with Jesus. It's more real than any relationship we've ever experienced and encountered here on earth. It's more real than a father and a son, than a mother and a daughter, than a child and a grandchild, a, a grandmother and a grandchild, a husband and wife. And I'm telling you, if you're good, it's all going to be good. And it's all good on his end. He loves you. He paid the price. He paved the way. There is nothing in between you and a full-fledged, all-out relationship with the Lord. On your worst day, he is no further away from you than he was on your best day. doesn't matter how far you've gone. I hate that term backslidden. You'll never, ever hear me say it, except for just now when I said it. But you'll never hear me say it as saying somebody has backslidden. I don't really believe in it because there's no way you can slide back away from the Lord. He is just as close to you, no matter what has gone on around you, no matter what mistakes you have made as a believer, he's just as close. You don't have to go find him again. You don't have to, to go to a different place. You don't got to go to the church and get right with the Lord before he's there with you. No, the Bible says over and over you can come to his throne room boldly. And how do you do it? Speaking of joy, how do you come into his throne room? You enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. You enter his courts with praise. Notice it does not say enter his courts with perfection in your heart. Enter his gates when you get it all right. That's not what is said because it's just not going to happen. If you aren't Jesus, it's not going to happen, right? But thanks to Jesus, it doesn't have to because he did it. He paved the way. He broke down those barriers. So now, through praise and thanksgiving, you enter his courts anytime, anywhere, and you will encounter the joy that is already on the inside of you. Remember, giving joy back to the Lord is what rejoicing means. It activates what he's already put in there. It makes your entire life an environment of joy. Man, that's powerful. Makes your home a home filled with joy. Some of us are like, my house is chaos. My house is this. My house is that. Stop it. Stop saying it all. Your house is a house of joy. Your house is a house of peace. Your house is a house of righteousness. Why? Because the kingdom that you live in is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Say it again. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what your house is built off of. It doesn't matter what else. It doesn't matter what's going on within those four walls. It doesn't matter what has gone on within those walls of your house. It's not too late. Your house is a house of joy. Your house is a house of peace. Your house is a house of righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to invite the band up as we close. And as they come up, I'm going to read you these 10 things, this top 10 list. And this is just 10 of the things that happen. There's things that happen when we rejoice in the Lord that we probably won't even have a grid for until maybe one day we're in eternity. And we're like, oh, man, that's cool, right? But here's 10 things we can talk about right now. Rejoicing keeps joy flowing and prevents greediness. I'm just going to say this. How do you know if you need that one? If you're in debt, you need that one, right? We all need it. 
but uh, you really need it if you have a lot of debt. And I'm not condemning you because you can get out of that stuff fast. Uh, we've got people here uh, that have paid off forty, fifty thousand dollars of debt in just a couple years. Talking about financially, student loans. Don't wait for the government. Pay those things off. The government's not your source. Just pay it off. And if the government wants to chip in, whatever. But just pay that stuff off. You're not a person who is in debt, right? You are not a person in debt. You're not a greedy person. So thankfulness, rejoicing, keeps joy flowing, prevents greediness. Number two, thankfulness makes you whole and keeps you that way. Number three, it stops worry dead in its tracks. Number four, it leads you on your path wherever you're headed, your dreams, your calling. Number five, it amplifies the voice of God in your life. Number six, it breaks chains in your life. Number seven, it brings you strength. Number eight, causes you and me to function the way we were made to function. Number nine, it brings God joy when we rejoice. And number 10, it creates an environment of joy in every area of your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. It's that simple. And do not allow the voice of the enemy to convince you that whatever rejoicing you can come up with is too small. It's not. It's not. Give the Lord an inch and watch him change your entire life. Entire life. So as the band leads us in a song here, I just want to encourage you. I mean, I'm positive whatever they sing, it's going to be a chance for us to rejoice in the Lord. Whether it's a Christmas lyrics or whether it's whatever, we can rejoice in the Lord and respond to this message right now. Don't think, well, this moment isn't really what he's talking about either. He's talking about like when I get home and I start to feel anxious or depressed. No, this is the moment. This is all of it right now. Let's respond. This is the altar call. If you want an altar call, this is it. Let's respond by doing what we talked about, rejoicing right now, offering praise and thanksgiving. And these things will begin to flow like never before. Thank you, Father, for your word. We love you so much. We're going to take some time right now to rejoice and make you happy, to give you joy. We love you so much. Amen. Let's all stand together.